I feel like knowing all your options is the most important thing, natural or not. Right. And then then coming up with kind of like a loose plan, like, well, this is what I want to try before I go to this and kind of like coming up with your steps and everything. Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Maria. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy and through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the answers to the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. And welcome to the show. Hey, Maria. Hey, Shelly. Is your dog nervous? He doesn't have very good balance anymore. Oh, he's old, right? He is. He's like 14 and his legs are not as strong as they used to be. So sometimes getting out of bed is a bit of a process for him. Mm-hmm. It's like watching John get out of bed in the morning. Kind of. Except <laughs> <later>. <laughs> um, I saw an article recently. Did you know that COVID, the birth rate in 2021, and they're thinking this is because of COVID, is the first time that birth rates increased instead of decreased <laughs> since yeah, 2008. <laughs> Everybody was stuck at home. I know. What else are you going to do? <laughs> bored. I wonder if it had anything to do with COVID. I don't know. <laughs> when people were completely isolated and couldn't work or do anything else. <laughs> 2021 COVID birth rate bump reverse decline seen in recent years. So it's the first uptick in seven years. And the average age for the first pregnancy also increased. So more be- women are having babies later, I guess. But that's yeah. been the trend. That's been going up for a while. Yeah. Anyway. So that's interesting. I feel like we felt that at least some of the months <laughs> 2021 where we were like August and September Mm -hmm. there was a lot of that yeah this week we are going to be speaking with Liz Mandel from down to birth doula care all about pain management options during labor Mm. but first let's do our question of the week this week's question is does breastfeeding make your breasts sag (laughs) No. <laughs> but pregnancy does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, it's not, you know, not breastfeeding p- probably won't save your breasts from sagging because pregnancy does it and genetics and, you know, all yeah. other stuff. But breastfeeding well, in itself. The majority of the changes that happen to your breast happen during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So whether you plan to breastfeed or not, your boobs are going to plan to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. So they have to get that whole process started. Yeah. Your boobs have a whole different plan than you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They don't care what your plan is. Your milk's still going to come in. Yep. You're still going to get engorged, but then your milk will dry up. One thing that I like when I'm working with families who are weaning, one thing that I warn them about is like after, right after you wean, your breasts do kind of deflate a little bit and it's called involution, but it's usually temporary. Like after a while, they'll kind of, perk back up not to where they were before but <laughs> i'm not sure perk is the right word Bill? brown i don't know fluff maybe fluff. okay let's do fluff Fluff back up <laughs> Fluff back up a little bit there used to be a tv show i i don't remember what it was called but it was about sort of a posh written 
upper class couple with a couple kids and then the wife's sort of portrayed as loser-ish sister and brother-in-law lived in their pool house and it was a comedy show but there was one episode where the youngest baby was just over one and they had been like reading about nursing past one and the husband said to the wife well you're not still nursing are you and the wife was like no I, I don't want to nurse past one I weaned and then he later caught her nursing the one-year-old in the middle of the night and he was like well why are you doing this and she's like I don't want to let go of these boobs. Just look at them. I can rob a bank with these things. <laughs> and it was, of course, like a wildly inaccurate portrayal of breastfeeding as TV shows usually do whenever breastfeeding is yeah. involved like that. But it was it was pretty funny because that part wasn't wrong. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Breastfeeding boobs are bigger. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answers your question. And if you want to submit a question for us to answer on the podcast, you can DM me at on Instagram at Shelly Taft IBCLC. And next up, we're going to be speaking with Liz. This week, we are speaking all about pain management options during labor with Liz Mandel. Liz Mandel is a non-binary and queer person. They are a birth and postpartum doula, a mom of two littles and married to their soulmate. Becoming a parent has really helped Liz realize how much people lack true community and how important it is to have one that is super supportive and filled with like-minded individuals. Liz trained to be a doula through Dona and also has a former experience as a student home birth midwife. She is currently busy homeschooling her kiddos and bringing people together along with business partner Kate Lux through their business Celestial Circle Community. She is passionate about making meaningful connections with people and helping people make meaningful connections with each other. She's also passionate about preventing birth trauma and creating support for new parents in the postpartum period, which is currently severely lacking in our culture. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm 32 years old and I am a birth and postpartum doula, although hiatus on birth mostly postpartum, working on my business, which is called Celestial Circle Community and trying to create communities for women and AFAB people and trans people to come together. Just like all kinds of people who experience like menstruation and those cycles in life to find their kindred spirits and and just like come together as a community and everything. So we're, we're in the works with that. I have been with my husband for 11 years and we have two kids one turning seven on Thursday and one just turned five in December. I'm non-binary and queer. My pronouns are they, them, and she, her. I was in school for psychology for a while, but I'm taking a break because it's hard being in school and momming at the same time. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just kind of like homeschooling and going with the flow. We're definitely, we are on the unschool side of homeschooling eclecticness and yeah here happy to be here <laughs> i homeschooled my kids until my oldest was in second grade and then at that point i had gone back to nursing school and like you said it's hard to do all the things mm -hmm. <laughs> in school so I, I ended up putting them in school but i miss it yeah how old are your kids now oh and they're much older now like my oldest is now 18 my youngest is 12 so this was oh, quite wow. a while ago yeah 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 so for those who might not know can you explain what afap uh, AFAB means assigned female 
female at birth. It may be someone who's like trans or non-binary who was assigned a female at birth, but no, does not identify with that label they were assigned with at birth. So, yeah. And you're here to talk to us about pain management during labor. Is this something like when you're working with doula clients that you spend a lot of time on when you're, when you're meeting with them prenatally? Yes. We go through like tips and tricks lists that we can do. So I was a student home birth midwife for a while. I apprenticed for a while. So we did a lot of home birth. So we did a lot of focus on natural ways for pain relief management. And then of course, like I have gone to hospital births and have seen everything from like IV meds to epidurals to whatever and natural pain relief in the hospital too and nitrous and all that stuff. So yeah, we, we talk a lot about pain. I feel like that is probably one of the biggest fears for most people in birth is how much is this going to hurt? Am I going to be able to handle it? I have a low pain tolerance, so I don't know if I'd be able to do it, all these things. But yeah, so we do a lot of talking about like what feels good and what may feel good for someone may not feel good for someone else and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. I always thought it was always interesting when I was a doula, I always thought that the parents who were more concerned about the pain and said like, oh, I have a lower pain tolerance. In some ways they did a little bit better because yeah. their expectation was right. Yeah. <laughs> Versus like, parents who are like, I think I'll be fine. I have a high pain tolerance and they get totally taken by surprise by the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would definitely say that they're like, okay, like we knew this was coming. We are not surprised. Yeah. I definitely have felt that before as mm-hmm. well. And it kind of reminds me of when I'm working with my coach, I do like a lot of powerlifting. And when we go up and wait and he's like, listen, you know, it's going to be heavy. It's going to suck. You just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I remember going in with that mindset. I had a hospital birth and then two home births. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went in with that mindset, like this is going to hurt and it's going to suck, but I can just get through it. You just get through it. Yeah. Yeah, I had a hospital birth and then a home birth. So yeah, I had both sides of the coin. And yeah, I I like I've been a birth nerd for a long time. Like when I was a kid, I used to watch, do you remember like a baby story on TLC? Yes. <laughs> I was obsessed with that show. <laughs> and a birth story too. <laughs> do yeah. you remember that? Yeah. Yes, yes. So I used to watch those shows all the time. And like I, you know, I've watched these people in labor and everything. So I'm like, I know it's going to hurt someday, but whatever, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'll deal with it. Yeah. And then watching those shows, like as a doula, you just throw things at the TV because oh you're, my gosh, just, you're like, <laughs> why are you doing this? Like, stop do doing this to these families. Yeah. yeah. Like that nurse needs to go leave and get a different job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's start off with some like natural ways to to manage pain. What are some of the more quote unquote natural ways that you coach families through? There's a lot of options. And honestly, a big factor in how much pain you may experience is baby positioning. If you have an OP baby, so like posterior, sunny side up, like they're so say this is like this mom's spine or parent's spine. And then like, this is like their vagina. I'm not, this is not a good diagram, but <laughs> <laughs> this is like baby's back. It should be like this so that it can come down and out. I don't know if you can see like down and out. So but the baby like spine this, should be like where the mom's spine. Like cradled into where the mom's belly is. Yeah. Yeah. So like acting like a hammock almost. Mm-hmm. So then it can just slide in and out. But when you have 
baby pushing on spine, like parent spine, like that's not good and it hurts and like the bones don't line up as well. And that's where a lot of the, that's where the term back labor comes from. That's what's causing the back labor, all of that Mm -hmm. pressure on the spine and like the hips and everything. The big thing I talk to clients about is like spinning babies Mm -hmm. practice, which Mm -hmm. most people in the birth world are aware of and doing like the TENS unit and not the TENS unit. What is it called? Isn't it called the TENS unit? Are you talking about like the 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 electrical thing? No, not those. Oh my gosh. I'm totally having a brain fart right now. I'll think of it later. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so baby positioning matters a lot and keeping baby in optimal position is like really good. Do you feel like there's an increase like in like malpositioning of the baby, like an increase in breach and increase in transverse? I kind of yeah. felt like when I was, when I was still acting as a doula that I, mm-hmm. I had a lot more moms where the babies were not in the right position. And one of the midwives that I used to work with was she had this theory. It was like, well, you know, we don't move around. Like we used to, mm-hmm. we're sitting at desktops and then we get in our big SUVs that like slams yeah. us back. And so gravity is actually working against us instead yeah. of for us. And I remember when I had my first home birth, the midwife was suspecting that something was that my baby was not in the right position. So she had me wash my kitchen floors on my hands and knees. Yeah. yeah. And it no, worked. I agree. Yeah, it, that does work because you're creating that hammock for the baby to settle into and like, turn back and be Mm -hmm. good aligned so I totally agree I think our sedentary lifestyle that most people experience in America or a good portion of people totally contributes to like the malpositioning of baby because like like you said sitting a lot of times you're sitting and you're like kind of curved up like this so that Mm -hmm. doesn't create space for a baby to settle into. So like I try to tell, especially towards the end of pregnancy, people to like sit like forward with their mm-hmm. legs wide and like almost in like a squatting position and like create that space. We're doing the end spread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, sit on yoga balls. Go on mm-hmm. like just like you could even like lean against something like this. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff helps. And when you're sleeping, laying on your side and really exaggerating your leg going over to like create that space and everything. And I just remembered what the term is called, the mile circuit. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Which is the spinning babies thing where you do different positions for so long and you do them over and over and Mm -hmm. like a circuit. And it really does help like baby to get into a better position. So. Right. Yeah. So baby positioning plays a part. And then I also think that fear plays a part. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Everyone has heard of shoulder dystocia, but like there's also that term labor dystocia. And one of the things that causes labor dystocia, which is like a slowing down of labor and all that stuff and making it more difficult is the emotional aspect for sure. Mm -hmm. When fear comes in, it kind of blocks those good hormones that are flowing to Mm -hmm. allow baby to come down and out and open and all that stuff. So fear is huge Mm -hmm. for sure. We always talk about like the fear tension cycle. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the things I wrote uh, in my notes was like natural pain management options and I wrote environment. So creating a pain management technique is creating a safe, calm, warm, cozy, dark environment so that you feel, you know, safe, calm and cozy. 
Mm-hmm. So then you can relax and just like kind of give in to the labor and the birth. And we're mammals. And I think people forget that, that we're all mammals, like even though we're humans, like we're still part of the animal kingdom. And any other mammal would instinctively seek out like a dark, cozy, safe space away from predators, like where they won't be disturbed. And as humans, especially at like a hospital birth or something, they're thrust into bright lights and people are coming in and out who they don't know, who they're not sure if they can trust. It can just really disrupt that natural instinctive like rhythm that happens during labor when people feel safe and and cozy and not disturbed, you know? Right. Because I feel like feeling safe is a huge part of that. Which is why mm-hmm. home birth is not for everyone, because if you're if you're not no. feeling safe giving birth at home, your mm-hmm. labor is not going to progress. If you don't feel yeah. safe that's in true. the hospital, your labor is not going to progress. And like you said, that's an evolutionary safety thing, right? Because if you're in a jungle yeah. or whatever and you're and you're in labor and you see a panther or something <laughs> looking at yeah. you, your body is going to yeah. stop your labor, right? Because now is not the time exactly. to give birth. Yeah. Now it's time to get away and get safety. So subconsciously, all all that or organization in your central nervous system is still there. So if you have, if you're like laboring along fine in your labor and then in some doctor that you don't know comes in and is like, you know, oh, you're not progressing fast enough. We want to put in an internal monitor and you are just kind of like, what is he saying? Your labor is going to slow down just because you are confused and, and frightened. He may not be a panther. But to your brain, it's just like a panther because you're going to be put into flight or fight mode, basically, or freeze, you know, or fun. Any of the trauma responses can happen Mm -hmm. when you're like in the zone and then you're pulled out of it. And it's just like, ah, right. What do I do? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, that can interfere with the hormones. So what are the hormones that are released and how does like stress and fear impact those hormones? Oxytocin is obviously like the one everyone is familiar with. Yeah, that's my tattoo. Oh, oh my gosh, I love it. Thanks. So I want to get the oxytocin molecule, but shaped like honeycomb. Ooh, I like that. With like, yeah, with like bees around it because it kind of looks like a honeycomb it does. a little bit. Yeah, it does. You know, if you're stressed, you'll you'll probably have cortisol released, which is yes, oxytocin's cortisol, nemesis. Your stress hormone. <laughs> Yes. So like they'll fight against each other. And then it's just like, uh, and that might be like what slows your labor down. If you're in the hospital, they'll be like, let's give you some Pitocin, which is synthetic oxytocin, which has its place, but it's definitely very overused in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like endorphins, like if you really get in the zone and you surrender to labor and you're like, you know, breathing well and in a good, safe place and you feel safe and cozy, your body will release endorphins to help combat the pain associated but if the cortisol levels rise it's going to make it more painful right and it's going to make you kind of tense right because what happens when we're scared or frightened we tense up our muscles yeah and that doesn't help your contractions feel better and it doesn't help the baby descend and you know you want to be as relaxed as possible as open as possible because Mm -hmm. if you're super tight especially you know one of the things that i love teaching parents about when i was a doula is the the connection between your mouth and your cervix. So if you're yeah. like frightened and you're clenching your jaw, right? Mm-hmm. Your cervix isn't going to open. But if your jaw is no. nice and relaxed and you're making like deep sounds, then that will help your cervix open as well. Yeah. 
I feel like that's one of the things I say the most when I have a client in labor and they're going through contraction. I'll be like, take a deep breath in and relax your shoulders, relax your jaw. Mm -hmm. Make that. Yeah, that's a good sound. Like, that's a good moaning sound. Keep that going. Like, you know, and just reminding them it's safe and normal. Mm -hmm. And even if they make louder sounds, it's normal. Sound is actually like. It's like your body's way of releasing pain in a way like you have it built up. Mm -hmm. Some people find relief in like letting it out through moaning about it or however else. I did horse lips, (laughs) (laughs) which is like that thing. Yeah, Yeah, I did that with both of my kids because I had like I was strapped to the labor rocket with both of them. I had really fast births. Mm -hmm. My birth was four hours start to finish. And my second was two and a half. So yeah, my first two were five hours start to finish. And my last was two hours start to finish. Okay. So you know what that feels like. And everyone (laughs) is always like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, no, it's like a train just coming at you and you have no time to adjust. None. It's just, it's too much. There's no settling into labor. There's no like getting those really nice pictures of you in like a gentle labor and all that stuff. You're just kind of like, Ah, like I'm a lion right away, yeah. like birthing a baby. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And I remember um, when I was in labor, I was going, and I think there was, there was like a point where I was trying to push my second out and she was a big baby. She was over nine pounds and I started to mm-hmm. feel afraid. And I was like, you know, with my jaw clenched whatever, and my midwife mm-hmm. just like, she, she took her, my face in her hands and she said, look at me. And this is the sound that I want you to make. And it was Whoa, like that and it worked amazingly yeah. I did it with all my other labors yeah. and it sounds ridiculous and I remember my aunt was yeah. my aunt was at like both two of my home births but the last one she's like what's up with that sound because it's such like a weird sound but it worked because it, yeah. it opened my jaw relaxed my jaw and it had like mm-hmm. deep vibrations that I could feel traveling down my body and That's it was awesome. such a relief yeah, those low guttural sounds are so helpful. People don't realize and people are embarrassed to make sounds like that. Mm-hmm. Especially like I have been to births where someone's making louder sounds at the hospital and the nurses are like, what are you doing? Or like mm-hmm. trying to shush them. And I'm like, they're literally pushing a watermelon out of their vagina. Like, yeah. just let them go. <laughs> let them do the thing. <laughs> yeah. I remember with my first two I had in the hospital and I was, and I was kind of in denial that I was in labor. So I kind of went into contractions and my husband at the time was like, we should go. And I was like, no, I don't think this is it. So we watched like all three Batman movies. And then I was oh, still nice. like, no, this isn't it. Like I was in such denial. I don't know if you've ever seen the That's office, funny. but it was kind of, kind of like (laughs) but then I went to bed and my water burst in the middle of the night but when I so by the time we got to the hospital I was like over seven centimeters dilated so I was like in transition I was shaking and I was bellowing and then I remember the nurse saying to me you can't make noises like that you're going to scare all the other moms Oh my God. Yes. And then that's awful. Then she said, We're just gonna give you a little something through your IV to help you stay hydrated. And it was actually statal. Oh my <laughs> Wow. And then and then, there's so many issues. And she kept asking if my mom knew I was there. And I'm like, I'm 21. Oh I'm not God. like <laughs> Yeah. And so Jesus. I had home births yes. after that. But I just remember feeling like 
the sounds that I'm making and how other moms are going to interpret that right now is the last thing on my mind. Yeah. I'm just trying to get right. through this. Yeah. Let me cope how I need to cope. Right. As long as I'm not hurting myself or others, like, let me do my thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sound, so positioning of baby. What about water? Yeah. Do you recommend water for a lot of your... Oh my gosh. Water is amazing. Mm-hmm. Shower, tub, birth pool, any of it. I couldn't have got through my second like birth without my birth pool in my kitchen. Because mm-hmm. like it was just so intense. And the second I got in the hot water, I was like, I was able to relax a little bit when it was so hard to relax because he was coming down like a freight train. So water is an amazing tool, whether you give birth in it or not. Like, like if you don't have a good tub and you're having a home birth, I highly suggest getting a birth pool anyways, even if you don't plan on birthing in it, because you may use that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Did you give birth in the water? I did. I did. Yeah. It was really cool. There is like a sweet spot when it comes to the home births, like we were like, yeah, early labor, totally go in there as much as you want, use it, do all that and like get out and then go back in whatever. And then there's like, depending on how long the labor is going and how the contraction pattern is and everything, sometimes we'll be like, let's just take a break from the water for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it can just like slow things down. But if it's true active labor, that typically doesn't happen. Yeah. So when you're through active labor, the water is like an amazing coping mechanism for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you are looking into a birth pool, it, you know, with my first home birth, I rented the fancy one with the heater so that the the water would stay hot. And then once I'd figured out that I'm someone who just gives birth quickly Mm -hmm. with my third, we just got like the the blow up one with no heater because I figured I'm not going to be in it that and I wasn't like we barely got it full in time for me yeah (laughs) but I I call it you know nature's epidural I I would be like in a lot of pain in the second I'd get in the water I would just like just relax and just load and yeah mm -hmm. the heat and then just the taking the weight off of the baby that's inside you like Mm -hmm off of your body Mm -hmm. you feel more weightless and like you can move more fluidly and I feel like that kind of goes along with flowing with birth you know Mm -hmm. and yeah no water is amazing and like the shower is good too especially if you have like a removable shower head and you can like hit your lower back with it and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah water is is magic (laughs) and most hospitals would not allow you to give birth in even if they do have like a birth tub no, they'll let you labor. A lot more hospitals are getting better about laboring in the water and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, giving birth. I don't know if I, I've never attended a water birth in the hospital. I know there are some out there that have specific rooms that you could do that in. Mm-hmm. But most of them are like, okay, you can labor here. But if you're giving birth, you need to come out. Right. And if you have an epidural or something, you can't, you can't use it. No, right. no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what about like a natural pain management options that involve like touch, like massage. I know we have to be careful with that because you don't know how you're really going to feel about being touched when you're in the throes of labor. Right. Yeah. So when I do like my prenatal work with my clients, we talk about like, how do you feel about being touched? How do you feel about massage and being touched in in general? And if they're like, then I'll be like, okay, well, we'll find different ways. And if they're like, oh, I love that. I'll be like, okay, cool. 
we'll definitely write that down that you love that. How do you like it when you're feeling sick or vulnerable? And then they'll either be like, oh, I actually like to be left alone when I'm feeling blah or I want it even more. And then obviously in labor, always ask for consent, like before you touch them, like, it's okay if I massage your back or is there a place that would feel good for me to massage right now? And Mm -hmm. most of the time people are like, please, yes, touch me. (laughs) But there are people who don't want to be touched. So that's okay. And that's a good tip for partners. Like if you're thinking that, you know, your partner is in labor and might want a massage, always ask first. Because I was one mm-hmm. of those people where I'm like, don't you dare touch me. Like, I yeah. do not like being touched in labor and delivery. And I remember with my second, who was our first home birth, like my husband had just eaten Doritos and a sandwich. And he's like leaning in to talk to me. Do you want your back massage? And like blasting me with his Dorito breath. Oh no. I'm I'm like, you need to just get away from me. (laughs) Just let me sit in my water, my birth tub. Okay. Yeah. Gross. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Something we're very aware of as doulas is if we've just eaten what we ate and try not to eat anything stinky, like garlicky, oniony type Mm -hmm. things. And yeah, maybe brush the teeth after pop a mint in or something like yeah you are getting close and personal and right yeah same thing with lactation consultants I always like popping a mint before I walk into someone's house because you're sitting really close to them although with the mask that's been that's been better (laughs) yeah I bet it's not as worrisome (laughs) right yeah so massage is a great it's a great like it feels soothing but also it's distracting too which is nice if you Mm. need that distraction And you can even do like this thing where if they like tense up in their shoulders, every time they're having a contraction, you can like put your hands whenever they get a contraction and just like push down and like remind them to like, you know, or you can even like squeeze their shoulders as they're contracting. And then as the contractions slowing back down, you can like slowly release like with the contraction. So Mm -hmm. different ways to do it. And then like counter pressure as well is super great mm-hmm. great for them not great for the doulas if it's a long birth and you start a counter pressure like right when you got there and now you have to do hip squeezes every contraction <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Been there got some vibes that way for sure <laughs> i remember one of my first births that i did as a doula it was within it was like the first five so it was a very very new doula and it ended up being mm-hmm. like a three-day labor and i was doing counter pressure on the lower back and at some point like i was pressing on mom's back and then her mom was pressing on my back because she could yeah. see that by then i was in like so much discomfort and we just formed yeah. like a train Oh my gosh. We've definitely had trains at like home births before, which has been lovely. Like everyone's kind of massaging each other. Like it's two in the morning. We're all just loving on each other. This is nice. Mm. (laughs) But yeah, I've been there where I've like literally putting like all my body weight on someone's back for hours, but it's really helpful. But you can, you can take like a scarf or a bozo or whatever you have and put tennis balls in it and then tie it around their waist and Mm -hmm. do it tight. The squeezing of the hips from the rebozo feels nice because it's kind of helping it open. Mm-hmm. And then putting the tennis balls against that, those spots on your back. It's like, you know, but like for camera purposes, like right here, like right where your glutes meet your hips mm-hmm. and just like putting it right there feels really good too. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take some of that pressure off or you can have them lean against the wall, like wide legged and pushing against a tennis ball 
wherever it feels good too is good. And then, you know, there's all kinds of different massager devices and stuff as well. You can bring like rolly things and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's good to practice these before Mm -hmm. you're in labor so that you're comfortable doing them and, and don't have to like, am I doing this right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And And then showing the partner, like how to do it before labor starts too. So they're like, Oh, I remember how to do that. Let me try that thing. And it's nice to get them involved, you know? Do you think even if someone is planning on getting an epidural or other like medicine pain relief that they should still practice these natural pain relievers? Absolutely. Cause sometimes the epidural will only half work or they may be like, actually that kind of freaks me out. I don't know if I want to try pain meds yet. Let Mm -hmm. me try the other methods first. You know, you just never know what you're going to want until you're in it. Right. Yeah. And say like, say you're at home and you're having a freight train labor and you're like, I'm not going to make it to the hospital in time, but I need something now. Mm-hmm. You can remember, like your partner will hopefully remember, or if your doula makes it in time, what to do and yeah. help you help you out in that way. Or sometimes you get to the hospital and they're like, well, listen, you're like nine, like you're nine or 10 centimeters. It's too late for the epidural. Yeah. Cause by the time you get anesthesia to come up here, you're going to be already going to be birthing the baby. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, for sure. You just, Birth is just one of those things you can't control at all. It's going to do whatever it's going to do. So control what you can, right? Mm -hmm. So it's good to just be prepared in that way Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So nitrous oxide is becoming increasingly popular and increasingly available for parents. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So nitrous oxide, I find that people either love it or they hate it. It either makes them feel like weird and nauseous or they're like, I had a client once who had nitrous with her third and she was like, I can still feel the pain, but I don't care as much about it. And it's kind of nice. I almost feel like I'm high off of like marijuana or something. That kind of sounds like cannabis. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yeah, she's like, it feels like that. It's, and it's nice because she had an induction, but luckily it was a quicker induction uh, as far as inductions go. And by the time she was like in active labor, it was getting intense and she needed something because she really, really did not want to get an epidural. And she's like, I'm going to try the nitrous. And she did the nitrous for like an hour. She like projectile vomited and then she pushed her baby out and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> she just had to get that out of her system. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, we kind of like, you know, towards the end of labor, if they're like having a forceful vomit sorry mm-hmm. people if you have like vomit phobia out there like <laughs> me but um, it can help baby go down <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the force of that just like pushes baby down but yeah nitrous is great it's hit or miss but mm-hmm. if you like it it's it's super helpful and, and sure. does it like cross the placenta and impact the baby at all i don't think so i can't rem- i honestly can't remember <laughs> What I understand is it doesn't impact the baby, or at least not as much as an epidural would or a narcotic through the ID. I think it's more short-lived because they're in control of the gas. So you put the gas on when you're having a contraction. And then when you're not, you take it off and you have oxygen. Like You just breathe the room air. So basically you use it when you need it. And then you can take it off anytime. Mm -hmm. And it gets out of your system fairly quickly. Like and it's you, administered you really, with a mask. Yes. Basically. Yep. Yeah. It's definitely like, it's, it's a good option if you need a little extra or something. 
Yeah. Other things I wrote for natural pain management, like yoga positions, labor positions, obviously, like mm-hmm. hands and knees is good. All of that stuff. Peanut ball, like resting during labor can help with pain. Like people don't realize, oh, I still need to sleep and take naps during labor. And they're like, how do I do that? And it's like, well, we get you really comfy. The first three contractions are going to suck when you get into a laying down position on the side. But once you get through those, they'll, they'll peter out a little bit. And, or if they don't, at least it'll feel more manageable and just like stick pillows or a peanut ball between their legs, keep things open and, and everything and taking naps in between contractions. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of doze yeah. off and then you wake up yeah. and you have a contraction and you doze off again. Yep. We had a client once at home. She was a primate. So she, it was her first baby and she wouldn't progress as fast unless she was resting on her side in a dark room alone. Once you realize she that. felt safest. Yeah. Yeah. So like we tried other things, nothing was happening. She'd get like sweaty and like stressed out. And then we just like, okay, go lay down again. And then she would. And then like, she'd ask to be checked and she would progress so much more just by laying on her side and not moving. (laughs) And then you have movement, which is like super important. I remember with my first going to the hospital, the nurse must've been newer. She kept trying to get me to lay down on my back on the bed. And I was like, that is not comfortable. I don't want to do that. I need to move my body. And like, I needed to lean over the bed. And just let my belly hang and like sway. And that's how, you know, a lot of people are afraid to be like, I don't want to lay down, you know, because mm-hmm. they see that's what you do, you know, on like TV and, and in shows and whatever. And right. But it's like, no, movement is important. Sway those hips. Dance sit a little. Sit on the ball like, and sway back and on forth. The ball. Yeah. Yep. Lotus with your partner, like mm-hmm. being able to move in the way that feels good for you is probably one of the most important things. And then people will do like hypnotherapy type stuff. Like they'll do like hypno babies. I don't know a lot about it, but people will practice hypno babies prenatally and then do it during the birth. And those people, most of them are like, get through birth pretty well through the hypno babies stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I did a whole episode on hypnobirthing recently. And it was great. Yeah. I'll just check it out. What about epidurals? What can you tell us about epidurals? Epidurals are a wonderful tool. A lot of times, like first time parents, when they're having a home birth, like the number one thing they transfer to the hospital for is exhaustion. And sometimes like labor slows down because they're exhausted. Like labor has become this almost torturous thing and they need something to help them rest. And epidural is like lovely for like, you need to replenish and sleep and get some IV fluids in you to like help get this baby out. So what happens is they'll go get the epidural, sleep for a few hours, get hydrated from IVs, and then they push their baby out when they wake up. That happens so often. And then they definitely have a time and place and they're a wonderful tool. But at the same time, it can make baby feel little sleepy, less participative in in their birth. It can slow their labor down, which then they would need Pitocin to boost it back up. And then you have like this whole fight against Pitocin and epidurals and then finding the right sweet spot for both of them. And then I know you did an episode 
on the cascade of interventions mm-hmm. with Merrill, right? Yeah. 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 So it has its place and it's a wonderful tool when it's needed. And then also at the same time, there's a risk to it, right? So, but yeah, like sometimes people try everything and then they just need epidural to get them through. Yeah. I remember I had a doula client who had a traumatic birth the first time. And then as soon as we got to the hospital with her second baby, she started to like really stress and become afraid. And eventually I was like, I think you need to try the epidural because she was just, she just could not relax. She could not rest. And like you said, she got the epidural. She took like a 30 minute nap, woke up and pushed the baby out. And it was the best choice for her. Exactly. I feel like, yeah, having the choices there. I feel like knowing all your options is the most important thing, natural or not. Right. And then then coming up with kind of like a loose plan, like, well, this is what I want to try before I go to this Mm -hmm. and kind of like coming up with your steps and everything. And I feel like hospitals should take that more seriously when people write that in their birth plan instead of being like, do you want any meds like right away? You know what I mean? Like you've seen it when you walk in and they're just like, okay, will you be having an epidural today? And they're like barely in labor. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even asked. I was just told it's time for your epidural. And I was, oh my God. And I was like, okay. And at that point they had already given me the narcotics, the IV. So I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. No, there's so many options you can do beforehand and you'll be surprised like at what feels good without needing drugs at all. But if you need drugs, like, that's totally fine too. Right. It's whatever you know your works body for you. Yeah. yeah. Like, especially if someone has like trauma surrounding their reproductive system, an epidural may be the best thing for them right off the bat. Mm-hmm. If they have trauma and they just like not feeling anything down there will help them get through and not trigger them or cause like more trauma, you know? Right. You just never know what someone's story is. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think when you're considering pain management, you want to think about, like you said, the risks and benefits. You know, Mm -hmm. if you feel like moving around is really helping you, then maybe the epidural wouldn't be a great choice because it's going to be a Mm -hmm. lot harder to move around. Maybe the nitrous would be a a better choice kind of thing. Yeah. It's a lot more restrictive for sure. Mm -hmm. I actually had a postpartum client once who gave birth and she had had an epidural and her nurse didn't really stick around in there, which I think at that point when you are epiduralized, they need someone in there at all times, but she kept leaving. So it was just like her and her partner in there. And then she ended up like giving birth under the blanket and didn't know until everyone wow. ran in there and were freaking out. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So she had given birth under the blanket she didn't know everyone came in freaking out because they had lost the baby on the heart monitor because the baby was the baby was born. <laughs> I know, but it was freaky because like I think she needed some help in the beginning, like mm-hmm. breathing and stuff. She's fine now. She's like her baby is is wonderful and, and grown, mm-hmm. grown up a little now. But yeah, it was really scary. And she's pretty traumatized from that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's like that. I mean, that just reminds me of when they when the nurses are like, oh, you stop pushing. You have to wait for the doctor to get here. Yeah. And it's like, listen, this baby's coming. If you want, I'll throw yeah. on some gloves and collect the twenty five thousand dollar fee for catching. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it comes out, like it's coming whether the doctor's here or not. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, uh, yeah, that'd be lovely. <laughs> I know. I, I'll never understand that. Like, you're a nurse. You've probably seen like tons of babies be born. How can you tell someone to stop pushing when a baby's coming? Right. <laughs> like, the fetal ejection reflex is very real and it takes over. Like, mm-hmm. baby's coming out. Yeah. I had that with my second and it totally freaked me out because I didn't know I'd never even learned about it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like, I have no control over my body. Like my body yeah. is just pushing this baby out and I am not yeah. controlling it at all. It was yeah. the most bizarre feeling. I like to describe it as you're throwing up down. You get those heaves like, oh, you know, yeah. you're just like, oh, but you're not throwing yeah. up. You're just pushing a baby out like your body. <laughs> it's wild. Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually yeah. at that point I was going, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at one point I during like, my last, I said, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I pretty sure with my first, my, so I like was kind of like on my knee on the hospital bed. So like, say this is the back of the bed. I was like facing it this way and I had my arms up here and my husband was standing behind it. So I have his hands in my hands and I went mm-hmm. to go bite him during one of those parts and we do like moved his hand away as I went to go back. <laughs> yeah. Labor is a wild ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember with my last, he came out so fast and he was over nine pounds and you know, I was leaning over the edge of the birth tub and my doula mm-hmm. was like right in front of me holding my hands. And at one point I reached down cause he was coming out so fast. I could kind of feel him tearing me <laughs> and I reached down oh, no. to- and my doula was like, yes, that's right. Feel his. And I'm like, I'm not trying to feel his head. I'm just trying to slow him down. <laughs> like, I'm, not, like, I'm, like, I'm not trying to have like a, a cute moment here where I'm like, I feel his hair. No, yeah. he was tearing me apart and I wanted to slow him down. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that happened to me. I definitely, I tore with both of mine. And I wish I had taken like someone's advice about like blowing out the birthday candles instead of like forcing it along. But at that point I was like, I don't care. I just want this baby out. So mm-hmm. I just tore both times. Like, Oh, I feel that. <laughs> but now looking back, I'm like, Oh, I wish I did it slower. Yeah. So what other um, like medications can offer some pain relief? You can also get medication through your arm or your thigh Mm -hmm. injected or IV and like you can get narcotics. Yeah. And that just made me feel drunk. Like I I could still feel the pain, but I felt like loopy and nauseous. And I was like, this isn't, and it wasn't like, I can feel the pain and I don't care. You know, that would have been better. It was like, I can still feel the pain. And now the room is spinning on top of it. Yeah. I, I'm someone who needs to be in control of their body at all times. So I probably would have hated that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, thank you. But some people are like, oh, that was nice. It took the edge off yeah. and helped me sleep. Some people like it. And then some people are like, meh. Mm-hmm. And it, usually what I've seen at some point is like, it'll help them for so long and they'll ask for it so many times. But then they're like, I just need the epidural now. It becomes too much. So then they end up going to the next thing. And do, and do those yeah. medications impact the baby as well? Yeah, I feel like a lot of them all kind of like make baby feel probably similar to you in, in mm. a way. Um, probably not as strongly, but, you know, slow, it could slow labor down. It could make them feel a little loopy, sleepy. And if you give birth like shortly after 
having one of those baby could need some extra help postpartum to wake up and get breathing on their own and and all that yeah. stuff so it can make it yeah. harder to breastfeed too so if you're yeah. planning on breastfeeding you want to keep that in mind yeah yeah if you're really wanting that totally like because they'll just be sleepy and not wanting to participate and all that mm-hmm. and like yeah, that's another risk you take with any of those drugs that make baby feel that way is like baby participates in birth too. It's not just you pushing this bowling ball out. It's just like, oh, baby like will move and like groove its head and like try and shift itself into a more comfortable position because it's being squeezed all around and passing through bones and all that stuff. So like sometimes baby can't participate as well and it takes a longer time to push them out yeah and then you then you might start to get in the need for a vacuum extraction or forceps mm-hmm. if they're having trouble moving themselves down mm-hmm. yeah on top of the epidural you can also get a spinal block which is what they usually give for a c-section because it's a shorter period of time if it's like more of an emergency or whatever emergency and um or if you're having like faster labor but someone's like please i need something they'll do a spinal block or like you said, forceps or vacuum, they'll usually do the spinal block for that because it can be really painful. So what is a spinal block? Can you can you explain how they do it? It's similar to an epidural. I don't know exactly how it works. I've, I've never actually seen one happen, but um, it goes in the spine. It just like blocks from the like the waist down and everything, which. So with an epidural, you can still feel like when you're pushing baby out, you can feel like the stretching and like the pressure and stuff with a spinal. I don't think you can feel anything. It kind of just takes the pain away from that like whole completely area. Completely numb. Like yeah. completely numb. Yeah. Yeah. Epidural, you can participate more and like all that stuff. So yeah. Are walking epidurals a thing? I don't know. I've never seen one in person. Yeah. I've heard I feel like them. I've heard about them in theory, but I've I never <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, I like walking epidurals are just another name for you got the epidural and it didn't really work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it kind of like numbed you a little, but you can still move around, I guess. Mm. Yeah, no, I feel like when someone has an epidural, they're just like done and they need to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I've, n- I've never seen one in person. Maybe someone who's gone to a lot of hospital births has, but mm. I don't know. Because <laughs> if you ask like... No one ever taught, like, none of the nurses are like, do you want a walking epidural or a regular one? You know, it's just an epidural. Sorry, my dog is, he's part koala. Mm-hmm. So he's, everybody loves him, but nobody likes him kind of talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my dog's like that. We have a German shepherd and he's such a good boy and he's very sweet and he loves people. And like, I love him to pieces, but oh my God, he drives me insane. Mm-hmm. Like he's always in the way he's always trying to hurt us like sheep and he can be obnoxious sometimes like barking and just general i don't know he drives mm-hmm. me nuts he's like you know shepherds are a little high strung and i just i need a little. more calm <laughs> yeah yeah so i i totally understand the i love you but i don't like you very much <laughs> <laughs> so what are like the main takeaways that you would want expecting parents to walk away from this episode with definitely explore all your options like don't put all your eggs in one basket look at what's out there and like you said practice these things at home and like figure out oh two more things i forgot to talk about were 
a TENS unit, which is like the electrodes you put on your back. That's a great way. It kind of like relaxes the muscle and stuff. I use it on my lower back because I have lower back pain. So I, I have a yeah, TENS unit that I put on my lower muscle back. Pain. Yeah. Any muscle pain is great. And some people love it. And some people are like, oh, this is weird. And then sterile water injections. Have you heard of those? I've heard of them. I've never actually seen them done or heard of any of the hospitals in our area doing it. Yeah. I think it's more common for them to do it at home. But yeah, basically they put like sterile water. I think it's like in like a pouch in your lower back or something. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, it's, it's injected into your back. And I guess it like, what does it say? They work through something called the diffuse noxious inhibitory control. Yeah, if you have back labor, this may be really good because I think it, I think it like, it's like a TB test. Have you had a TB test where they push the water under your skin? It's like mm-hmm. that. And it can last as two hours. It, the onset of pain relief is quick within like two minutes. They found some people received injections up to 30 times. So you can do it over and over. Oh, wow. I'm sure it doesn't impact the baby. No. Yeah. It's just no, the... it's like, it's pretty great. It painfully stimulates the lower back with these injections. It causes the brain to release its own internal supply of morphine called endorphins. The pain lowering hormones cause a person who's in labor to re- perceive their labor pain as less painful. So it's kind of like tricking the brain. It's kind of like the pain gateway. Isn't that what they call it? Where like, if you're having pain, your body can all only sense so many signals of pain to your brain. So if you're having pain from the contractions, but like you put a TENS unit on mm-hmm. that distract, you know, that overrides or overwhelms the pain sensation yes. going up your central nervous system. So your yes. brain starts to only register like the, the, the little shocks, I guess, or vibration or the injection instead mm-hmm. of the pain of the contractions, because your brain can't focus on too many things at once. Exactly. Yeah. Did I explained so, yeah, that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you did. That was really good. Yeah. It's just like tricking your brain and your brain mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay, let's send endorphins. Like, and they pain. use that with my kids now with vaccines. They have a, like a, they call it a pain blocker where it's just like a, and almost looks like a facial scrubber with like little soft silicone spikes and they kind of push mm-hmm. it into their arm and then give the vaccine because, oh, because yeah. the, the, my, and my kids think it works great. They're like, oh, we barely yeah. felt the shot because their body is just focused on the sensations. Yeah. The the little silicone bristles pressing into their skin. Yeah. That it doesn't really register the pain from the vaccine. It's funny you mentioned that because I'll bring like a comb with me to labor. And a lot of people like to squeeze the comb in their palm when they're mm-hmm. having contraction. And it it just like distracts them from that pain the pain there. And I remember when I was in labor with my second, I was digging my fingernails into my thighs to distract mm. myself from the pain. And I had like bruises after. Yeah. So yeah, distractions are great. If there's anything else I can offer, like people giving birth, like the sooner you surrender to what's happening to you, the easier time you will have. I promise it's scary. Mm-hmm. And especially if you've never done it before, it can be really scary. It can be really unpredictable and the pain you feel you're going to want to run away from it, but you have to run towards it and embrace it in order to help baby come down and out. Cause you, mm-hmm. it's, it's your body doing what it's supposed to do. Right. And like, I see so many people like they'll get a contraction and they'll like tense up and like try and like run away from it literally. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, like sink into it. Like it sucks and you can get mad at it and like mourn that you're in pain right now 
but like if you just give in and just like be like all right I'm letting go I'm letting labor take over the mm-hmm. second they do that they deal and cope much easier with the pain yeah. and labor I see it every yeah. time and again like about that mindset like going in knowing it's going to be hard knowing that it's going to mm-hmm. suck but also knowing that it's it's normal body function right it's not like the pain mm-hmm. if you were stabbed or if you were punched no. it's not like it's injury so pain and if yeah. you've never experienced it, it it's hard to describe the difference the closest that i can get is you know if you're going through a really really hard workout you know the mm-hmm. you, you kind of feel like you want to puke and you're dying and you're in pain but you don't yeah. feel like it's like a different kind of pain you're not scared right Right. And if you go into birth knowing it's going to kind of be like, yes, I'm going to be in pain, but I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Everything's okay. It's just my body doing its job. Exactly. Then I think you have a much, much better time with it. Exactly. You go yep. in like scared because you don't. And that's when like education can make a big difference. Yeah. Maybe not t- just take the childbirth class in the hospital, maybe take an, in, you know, an independent childbirth mm-hmm. class and if it's within For your sure. budget and there's and you have access to it hiring a doula can be really helpful mm-hmm. too yep absolutely but yeah use whatever tools you can yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. put all the tools in your basket even ones you don't think you might need because that may be the thing that you need the most and you never know like right yeah so put them put them all in your basket bring it to your birth and then you'll know it's there and you can pull it out when needed so where can parents find you and connect with you and learn more about you and your celestial community? We have our website, which is www.celestialcirclecommunity.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And yeah, you can message us anytime, ask us any questions. We right now are offering our first moon workshop, which is educating preteens and teens about their menstrual cycles. And it's not a sex ed Thing at all but we teach them how to track their cycles what each phase of the cycle feels like physically and emotionally and how to cope with what comes up during those times and suggested like foods to eat during those times and like self-care and all that stuff and then we you know we answer anonymous questions they may have and parents are welcome to stay and like we share our first period stories and so many people have very traumatic first period stories. It's really sad. But yeah, we just kind of like normalize it. And we sit in a cozy circle, like with pillows and blankets and tea and cookies and gluten-free stuff and chocolate and affirmation cards. And we talk about all of our, like all the different menstrual care products that are out there, like further past like tampons and pads. There's so much more out there mm-hmm. and how to use them and just like make it a really cozy not health class, not awkward experience, like normalizing. Celebrating, celebrating yeah. what your body does. Yeah. Exactly. And that reminds me of the yeah. red tent circles. Do you do you remember these yeah. really big in this area and then they kind of went away? Yeah. We want to start some red tents again for sure pretty soon. Cause I feel like so many people my age are starting to struggle with their hormones and their periods are all wonky and Mm -hmm. I know mine is it's just like heavy and painful right now and I'm just like what is happening so I feel like having a community to be able to be like is this normal what is your experience like can we talk about this you know is so important no one talks about 
their periods much. Right. So, except for me, me and Kate, my business partner, Kate Lux. Every time we're with each other, we're just like, sorry if I'm a little off. I'm luteal right now. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time with my coworkers. You know, I'm like, ugh, Aunt Flo came today. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. I do it with but my just kids having too. that like little bit of knowledge, I feel like people take things less personally too, and mm-hmm. you can connect with them easier. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're having a rough time. Yeah. And we talk about it at the, the dinner table in my house. Like, because we, yeah. so we have four boys and three girls. And the girls will be like, ugh, I'm on my period at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, I am too. And the guys are yep. so used to it at this point. Yeah. They don't even blink an eye. I love it. I love it. Yeah. My five year old, like, you know, kids follow you to the bathroom and stuff, or like we're in the bathroom in like a store and I'll have my period and be like, oh, mommy got your period again. I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. And like, sometimes I'll be like dying from cramps on the couch and he'll just come over and like rub my back. Be like, it's Aww. okay, mom. Like, it's really sweet. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So we have that. And then we have our womb to world kindred circle, which we're going to be relaunching soon. We're kind of tweaking with it right now, but basically people birth, um, giving birth within like a three month window. It's for you. Like, prenatally and postpartum to like connect with people in that same time frame that you're having a baby and like share community and like share advice and just kind of be like we're all going through it right now which I feel like is especially important considering like recent news of different things with postpartum mood disorder type things and all that stuff so we need this we need real community we need community that meets in person and is like, are you okay? Like, mm-hmm. because we just lack that so much. And humans are a social species. We, everyone knows the term, like it takes a village and it's like, but no one has a village anymore, right. you know? So right. we're trying to bring the village back. Bring the village yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we will put those links in the show notes and thank you so much. I really appreciate you jumping on here tonight and talking to us. Thanks. about. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. (laughs) Have a good night. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaftIBCLC.com, where you can check out more options for support through pregnancy and beyond, including the Baby Pro Bistro, our parenting community. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaftIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes to help our episodes reach more parents like you. Thanks for listening.